Welcome to Reimagining Atlantis. My name's Tori, and I'll be your host. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. I hope that life is treating you well, and that you are staying warm in these chilly months. That is, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. If you're on the opposite side of the equator, I hope you're enjoying the warm summer months. In this episode, we're going to explore the link between Japheth in the Bible and Iapetus in Greek mythology. Professor Richard Hess, an Old Testament scholar, suggests that Japheth's name is derived from the Greek traditions about Iapetus. Iapetus was known for his association with mortality and the, quote, limits of life, and was eventually overthrown and imprisoned in Tartarus, the underworld. Japheth is identified with Iapetus and the quasi-Jewish Cymbeline oracles, and Josephus suggests that some of Japheth's descendants are Greek nations. Pindar's writings suggest that the ancestors of the Greeks were from the stock of the daughters Iapetus and the powerful sons of Kronos. The similarities raise interesting questions about the origin of human race and its connection to mythology and biblical narratives. We'll discuss the possible connection between Japheth, the son of Noah, in Genesis, and Iapetus, a titan in Greek mythology. The similarity in name and the lack of Semitic etymology for Japheth led scholars to consider Iapetus as a possible source for the name. Iapetus is known for setting the boundaries of the earth and the ocean, creating the first mortals, and being the father of Atlas and Prometheus. The article also explores the theory that Japheth's descendants were Greek nations and that the daughters of Iapetus would be the mothers of the human race. The article raises questions about the Nephilim in Genesis and the curse of Ham. Iapetus was the titan who is often overlooked in the Greek pantheon. But I ran across some interesting information that I thought that would qualify as tinfoil hat material. Nonetheless, I thought I would share. Before I begin, though, I want to throw out a disclaimer that this episode will conflate Greek and Semitic cosmology. As in previous episodes, my intent is not to be disrespectful to deeply held beliefs. Instead, I'm offering an alternative. If you are easily triggered by heretic material, then my sad suggestion would be to skip this episode. For all others, please know that my sources for this episode are linked in my episode description. I guess I should start off with a quote from Robert Graves and Matthew Poole. Quote, Japheth represents Greek Iapetus, father by Asia of Prometheus, and thus the ancestor of the pre-Diluvian race. If you are wondering where the similarity lies, there are many. First, let's start with the name Iapetus. In ancient Greek, there isn't a letter for J. Instead, the letter I is used in its place, so Iapetus becomes Jepetus. Also, it should be pointed out that the mother of Iapetus was Asia, and the name of the area that is now called Turkey. Professor Richard Hess, born in 1954, is an American Old Testament scholar. He is a professor of Old Testament and Semitic languages at Denver Seminary, and he was unable to establish a West Semitic etymology or an onomastic, which means the study of the root meaning of words as names. 
and he was unable to find an environment for Japheth, and ended up concluding that it is most likely derived from Greek traditions about Iapetus and Iapetos. This is what he has said, quote, Japheth is the one name among those found in the narratives of Genesis 6-9, through which has neither a West Semitic etymology nor an onomastic environment. Unlike Ham's son Canaan, it has no comparison with place names either. Thus, we must look elsewhere for the source of this name. Nemean observes that the origin of the descendants of Japheth in the Table of Nations as located in the region of Hellas and the islands of the Aegean Sea. Whether every group mentioned can be located is beside the point. We have sufficient evidence in the preponderance of place names and gentilics to seek Japheth among the Greeks and their ancestors. It is there that Neiman finds a comparative name in Iapetos, the titan father of Prometheus and progenitor of humanity. The figure already appears in Homer's Iliad and Hesiod's Theogony. Quote. With this comparison in mind, let's go down the Iapetus rapid hole and see if you find the link that I have to Atlantis. Iapetus, in Greek mythology, was one of the titans a race of giant deities that preceded the gods of Olympia. He was the son of Uranus, Heaven, and Gaia, Earth, and was the father of Atlas and Prometheus. Iapetus is best known for his association with mortality and the quote limits of life. According to some myths, he was the one who first set the boundaries of the earth and the ocean. He was also said to have fashioned the first mortal humans from clay and water, giving them the gift of death. In terms of personality, Iapetus was often portrayed as being both wise and just, but also being prone to fits of anger and rash judgment. He was eventually overthrown and imprisoned in Tartarus, the underworld, along with other titans by the gods of Olympia, led by Zeus, where neither breeze nor light of the sun reaches them. Iapetus was the father of two sets of twins, Atlas and Menatius. And Prometheus and Epimetheus. Scholars have long been intrigued by the similarity of names Japheth from Genesis 10, 1 and Iapetos. The quasi-Jewish symbol in oracles make this association in the Greco-Roman period. Quote, the quasi-Jewish symbol in oracles in which the sons of Noah are given the names of Greek gods. Shem is identified with Kronos, Ham with Titan, and Japheth as Iapetus. Josephus understands the name of Japheth's descendants to be Greek nations. Javan is Ionia, Elisha is Aeolus, Tarshish is Tarsus, Kidium is Cyprus from the seaport Kidion, which means copper. Now, I do want to make note that in a previous episode on the Sea People, I had Tarshish aligned with Tartessos, where Josephus already found the connection. For informational purposes, Tarsus is derived from Tarsa, the original name given by the city of the Hittites, and is located in south-central Turkey, 20 kilometers, or 12 miles, inland from the Mediterranean. Pindar has an interesting take. Quote, they tell, indeed, how the strength of the waters overwhelmed the dark earth, but the skills of Zeus, the ebbing tide, suddenly drained off the flood. From these were your ancestors, with their bronze shields, 
Young men sprung from the beginning of the stock of the daughters of Iapetus and from the powerful sons of Kronos, always a native lines of kings. I'm sure that some of you are familiar with the Nephilim of Genesis, where the sons of God had intercourse with the daughters of men. Could the sons of God be the sons of Kronos and the daughters of men, the daughters of Iapetus, the progenitor of the human race? this rabbit hole goes so much deeper. So let's go over the basics when it comes to Noah and his sons. Noah had three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Ham was cursed by Noah because Ham, quote, saw his nakedness. Well, a few university lectures later, and the going theory is that Ham raped Noah's wife. Noah's wife, Emzaria, according to the Book of Jubilees, was Noah's property. So, Noah was mad at Ham for seeing his property naked. Shem and Japheth covered Noah's nakedness and walked away backwards so as not to see it. Later, Noah has another son named Canaan, who is also Ham's son. Canaan being both Noah's grandson by Ham and legal son by Emzara. Going scholarly consensus is that Ham raped his mother and she gave birth to Canaan. Many of the other unnamed matriarchs from Genesis are also identified in the Book of Jubilees, including her daughters-in-law, Sedequitelbab, Shem's wife, Naeltamuk, Ham's wife, and Adatanis, Jepheth's wife. Those husbands gave their names to towns. So Noah's boat landed on the mountains of Ararat, and then the earth was divided amongst his sons. Sounds a little familiar, right? Ham got Africa in the hot areas as Ham's Hebrew name is Klom, or let's try it a little bit more Hebrew, Klom, which means hot. Shem got Egypt and the area to the east of the Red Sea and up through Turkey. Japheth got the rest of Europe, including Spain. My guess would be that he also got the area that consisted of Northwest Africa as well. And by the end of this segment, hopefully you should agree too. I also can't help but notice the similarities between Noah's sons and Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades, dividing the earth amongst them. In the quasi-Jewish Cymbeline oracles, in which the sons of Noah are given the names of the Greek gods, another similarity between Greek and Jewish religion is the observance of the Sabbath being on Saturday, or more accurately, Saturn's Day, for the Latin version of Kronos, Saturn. According to Eustathius, Calapi was the name given to the Rock of Gibraltar by barbarians, but its Greek name was Albi, and the Rock of Cuita was called Ebena by the barbarians, but the Greeks, Cynogenica, that is, the Hunter's Rock. He tells us further that the pillars were formerly named the Pillars of Kronos, and afterwards the Pillars of Biarius. The Greek myths mention Deucalion fathering three children, two sons, Helen and Amphictyon, and a daughter, Progenia. Of interest is that Noah also had three children too. As a reminder, Iapetus was the father of two sets of twins, Atlas and Menaceus, and Prometheus and Epimetheus. Here's William Smith from a classical dictionary on Iapetus. 
quote, Iapetus is one of the Titans, sons of Uranus. His descendants, Prometheus, Atlas, and others are often designated by the patronymic Iapetes or Iapetonades and the feminine Iapetonis. And for those of you who have been around since the beginning, where I consistently go over Greek naming traditions, anything that ends with an I-D-E-S is usually children of. If it ends in U-S, it's usually a son of. If it ends in I-S, it's usually a daughter of. So Atlantis in and of itself would translate roughly to the daughter of Atlan, but most people agree that it's the daughter of Atlas. Naming countries after women is not uncommon. You can still see it today in names like Libya, Idea, Sparta. Genesis 10 verses 1 through 2 state the following quote, These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshkek, and Terrace. But where is Atlas and Menaceus and Prometheus and Epimetheus? We have to remember that the Greek names most likely won't match their Hebrew or even Egyptian names. Perhaps Iapetus was given a name after death. Listen to this quote from Raphael Holinshed, Abraham Fleming, in the history of England from the time that was first inhabited until the time that it was last conquered. Quote, the third son of Noah, Iapetus, who some referred to as Iapetus and others as Atlas Marius because he passed away in Mauritania, was the first to populate Europe. According to Bodinius, who made this claim with the support and the agreement of the Hebrew, Greek, and Latin writers, he later divided the continent among his sons, among whom Tubal, according to Terapha, received the kingdom of Spain. Gomer ruled the Italians, and, as Borisaeus and numerous other sources concur, Samothes was the founder of Celtica, which contained, as Baal attests, a significant portion of Europe, particularly those nations now known as Gallia and Britannia. Atlas of Mauritania. I was wondering when I would find the right time to bring him up. He was a famous philosopher, mathematician, and astronomer. He was also the monarch of an ancient Mauritania. However, little is known about this individual. There is hardly anything on Wikipedia, and he is considered the first mythological king of, of Mauritania prior to 500 BCE. I think it should be worth noting that ancient Mauritania is not current modern-day Mauritania. Ancient Mauritania consisted of like a stretch of land on North Africa that consisted of Tangier and Algiers all the way up to Tunis or Tunisia. So prior to what would be ancient-day Carthage, so all along the North African coast is ancient Mauritania. Anywhere that if you kind of look on the map and it looks a little green, down through Casablanca, including Fez, 
just north of Morocco, all of those things would be considered ancient Mauritania. The word Mori, from which Mauritania is derived, was used by the Romans to refer to North African Berber kingdoms, but the Atlas Mountains can also be found here. In reality, the word mountain is Adur in Berber, and it appears that the Moroccans were excellent cartographers. The word Atlas was coined by a French person with the name of Mercator, Atlas, and was not used by Antonio Lefer on the page of Tavoli Modern de Geografia de la Magua Parte del Mundo de Diversi Atori. And I'm assuming that that means something very, very, very cool in French. Mercator dedicated his quote Atlas specifically to honor the Titan Atlas king of Mauritania, and he was a learned philosopher, mathematician, and astronomer. A common misconception today is that Atlas was forced to hold the earth on his shoulders, but classical art shows Atlas holding the celestial spheres, not the terrestrial globe. The solidarity of the marble globe, borne by the renowned Farnese Atlas, may have aided the conflation reinforced in the 16th century by the developing usage of atlas to describe a corpus of terrestrial maps. I can't help but be reminded of Diodorus and his account on the first kings of Atlantis, where he claimed that their first king of Atlantis was Uranus, and he gathered the human beings who dwelt in scattered habitations within the shelter of a wall city. This caused his subjects to cease from their lawless ways and their bestial manner of living. They caused the uses of cultivated fruits, how to store them, and a few other things which are a benefit to man. He also subdued a larger part of the inhabited earth, in particular the regions to the west and the north. He was a careful observer of the stars. He foretold many things which would take place throughout the world. He introduced to the common people the year on the basis of the movement of the sun and the months on that on the moon. He instructed them on the seasons, which reoccur year after year. The people were ignorant of the internal arrangement of the stars, and they marveled at the events which were taking place as he had predicted. They conceived that a man who taught such things partook in the nature of the gods. After he had passed from among men, they accorded him immortal honors because of his philanthropy and because of his knowledge of the stars. They transferred his name to the heavens, both because they thought he had been so intimately acquainted with the risings and the settings of the stars, and that wherever else he took the place in the firmament. After the death of Hyperion, the kingdom was divided among the sons of Uranus, the most renowned of whom were called Atlas and Kronos. Of these sons, Atlas received his part, the regions on the coast of the ocean, and he not only gave the name of Atlanteans to his people, but likewise called the greatest mountain in the land, Atlas. They also say that he perfected the science of astrology, and that he was the first to publish to mankind the doctrine of the sphere. It was for this reason that the idea was held that the entire heavens were supported upon the shoulders of Atlas, the myth darkly hinting at this way at his discovery and the description of the sphere. Since we're drawing connections where there might not be any, this seems to be a great time to introduce the Amazigh tribe of Northwest Africa. 
If you remember, in a prior episode, I read to you Diodorus' account of the Amazons and the Atlanteans, where Queen Marina went over to the neighboring land and conquered the Atlantean city of Kern. One of the oldest political social groups on the African continent is the Amazon, also known as the Free People. The Amazigh, A-M-A-Z-I-H, had a 4,000-year history and were known as the, quote, Berber at the first, from whence early European traders obtained the term barbarian. They ruled Egypt as pharaohs and developed relationships with the Phoenician colonies in North Africa. These nomadic peoples ruled most of Morocco well into the 11th century, each with its own distinct languages, cuisines, and clothing as well as over 45 separate tribal groups. Prior to the arrival of Islam in North African regions, the 7th century they were predominantly animalists who believed in the spiritual essence of non-human beings. Some reachers point out that the Amazon were both animalists and potential Isis worshippers, and that they were likely living in a matriarchal society where women held important positions of authority. For instance, historians have studied that the Turig, a particular Amazon tribe, to observe that women in these tribes have control over their marriages and economic resources that give them a level of power, and that they have the option to divorce, own their own livestock, tents, and household goods, and have a significant influence over their households. The Tuareg is also has a matrilineal ancestry. While all this may be circumstantial, it sure is entertaining. What do you think? Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Your support means everything to me. If you want to help make this podcast grow, please subscribe and tell just one other person about this podcast today. We are each our own hero in this story we call life. That means one person has the power to change everything. Who is the one person you tell today, hero? Let's help keep Atlantis alive, or at least reimagined. A new episode will be released every Thursday at 9 p.m. See you then. Wait, are you still here? Thank you. It's appreciated. Here's a clip for next week's episode. Here's Stetsochorus, who differentiates between Tartessos and Etheria. The ancient writers seem to call Beetes, a river in southern Spain now called Guadalquivir, Tartessos, and Gadria, Gades, now Cadiz, and nearby the island of Etheria. This is proposed as why Stesichoros should say of Garen's herdsman, Eurytion, and that he was born most opposite famous Eurythria by the limitless silver-rooted waters of the river Tartessos in the hollow of a rock. And then Hyperion's strong child Helios went down into the cup of solid gold so that he might cross over River Oceanus and reach the depths of the holy dark night, while he, Zeus's son Heracles, who had reached Etheria in the cup, has traveled back to the mainland in it, now returns it to Helios, went on foot into the grove, shady with its laurels. Stesichoros, in his Geronis, calls an island in the Atlantic Sea Sarpedione, and was the home of the Gorgonis, which is located in the Oceanus stream near Etheria. Geron himself was the grandson of the Gorgon Medusa, 
friends, I'm happy to announce that I'm going to be introducing my brand new Patreon page. I'm thrilled to offer you an exclusive opportunity to engage with me in a way that's never been possible before. Through Patreon, you'll have access to exclusive content, including early access to episodes, comprehensive notes, and bonus materials like custom maps and timelines. You will also have the opportunity to participate in our exclusive live streams where we discuss upcoming projects, answer your questions, and provide valuable insights into my creative process. But that's not all. By joining the Patreon, you'll be supporting my project and helping me create even more amazing content for the future. Your support will allow me to expand my team, invest in new technology, and continue pushing the boundaries of what's possible in the world of podcasting. Whether you're a longtime fan or just discovering my work for the first time, our Patreon page has something for everyone. So don't wait. Join us today and become a part of this exclusive community. I can't wait to connect with you and take our content to new heights together.